Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it again with another installment of our series, The Least of These, uh, a series that I've dedicated to going through some of the least talked about books in the Bible or topics, and we'll probably do a couple topics towards the end of this series, uh, and unpacking them and explaining verse by verse through those books. We've uh, covered Song of Solomon and Esther so far. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes now, and today we're going to look at chapter 2. So if you haven't guessed, this podcast is dedicated to taking Scripture, taking the complexities of it, and simplifying it for you. Now, that's done in a whole range of ways because you can do it through having study Bibles or commentaries or other people's you know notes and things like that on particular passages. And what we're trying to do is just give a very generic, basic understanding to the text. There are layers that we can peel back and get into some deeper understandings, and, and we can watch these things be interwoven and interconnected, and we've done that on this show. But I try to make this as basic and straightforward as possible. So when you sit down and listen to it in your car, you can just... Pay attention, but not have to take notes type thing. So, as I mentioned, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes this week, and uh, we're going to look at probably just uh, depending on time, chapter 2. There's only, there's 26 verses, but we're going to kind of breeze through it, it looks like. Uh, And then chapter 3 is interesting because he, he sets up this framework here in the beginning, and he lists all of these things a time to do something. And so we are going to unpack uh, what those things are in chapter three. Uh, whether we get to that on today's episode, depending on our time frame, I like to keep it under or add about 30 minutes. Uh, that may or may not happen. So chapter two for sure today. Uh, a couple quick housekeeping tidbits before we uh, get into the text at hand today. Uh, I am starting work on this new series on the Lutheran Confessions. And what it's really going to be is a deep dive into the theology behind 
what I do, the Lutheran theology. And I'm going to kind of parallel that as I can with Reformed theology, show the contrast, the differences, similarities, overlaps, all that kind of thing. So that's on tap. I want to ensure that I, I spend a gracious amount of time doing it. So it could be two weeks between episodes. It could be four weeks between episodes, but it's going to be a long series and I'm going to pour in a ton of work into it. And uh, so I've got here in my library uh, a couple books. I've got a commentary on the Augsburg Confession. I've got the history of the Lutheran Confessions and then obviously the Book of Concord. And we're going to dig through all that. I've got all, all sorts of resources and logos and I'm very excited for it because I hope and pray it'll be edifying to be able to just take it and unpack it and, and, and just hear it, what exactly it is that a authentic Lutheran believes and preaches. Now, as with any denomination, there's a broad scope of beliefs, if you would. There's those who hold very specifically to what Luther taught. Uh, it's kind of the camp I find myself in. And then you have kind of some of the little bit more nominal Lutherans, and they kind of hold to like Philip Melanchthon's viewpoints. Uh, the language is a little bit softer with him, and it feels a little bit more synergistic uh, as his time wore on. Uh, and then you've got all the way to the other end of the you know, progressive liberal left where you have the ELCA and everything is inclusive. It's more of a universalistic approach to the text. And, uh, you know, gender roles and CRT and all this other, you know, junk that's floating out in the atmosphere that is uh, prevalent in their ideology. So that, again, and, and it's kind of funny because I preferenced on my Instagram page that I'm not a part of the ELCA. And I, and I have to make that very clear. You know, I'm not affiliated with it whatsoever. They do not represent Lutherans at all, even though they carry the title Lutheran in their name they are not authentic to what luther taught and i you know it, it's really a tragedy to see how far they've moved away from scripture in and the re reality of it is is they use scripture to support this like moving away and that's to me insulted so we're going to get into all of that in this upcoming segment uh, it's going to be a bonus series it's going to air on tuesdays uh, if I can get this episode in the books tonight, we're going to kind of do an introductory episode to it. I'm going to try to keep them about 30 minutes as well. So I won't go too deep into them. Uh, bonus episodes are a little bit easier for me. I can just take the, uh, introduction, take the topic and dive right into it. Whereas like in my Friday shows, I like to give a little bit of opening banter and kind of give you up to speed on what's going on. What am I doing? And where are we going? And so that's what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks on this show. There may be some segments in that that I will only release exclusively to the patrons. So I may put a short, a short clip out on social media as kind of a teaser and then release the full show uh, to patrons only. So that's a possibility as I get into some of the meat and uh, potatoes of that series. With all of that, if you'd like to join us and, and participate in this ministry, patreon.com forward slash undying light, you can do as little as a dollar a month, or now I do annual tiers. So you can pay an annual rate and you'll get 12 months of uh, service in Undying Light, and you'll get some sweet uh, merch with it as well. Uh, the first tier, I believe, I give you like a shirt or something, and the second is like a, you know, I give you two pieces of merch or something. Um, 
most of that is at your discretion. So it's kind of hard for me to really just tell you exactly what you'll get because I I'm trying to leave the book open for you. I want you to pick that's my gift to you. So those are in the annual tiers. Otherwise you can do a dollar a month or you can do really any amount that you'd like to is whatever you're uh, willing and able to give. I don't want to impose anything upon people, but uh, that's why I set my tiers at a dollar and you get everything included. So, that's the patron spiel. Um, let's get into the text. We've got uh, a lot to handle, and I want to get through this because, if I, like I said, if I have time tonight, I'm going to record the introductory episode to this Lutheran uh, segment series that I'm going to be doing. So, chapter two, the vanity of self-indulgence. Remember, Solomon wrote this book towards the end of his life. If you don't remember, then go back to the introduction of Ecclesiastes. That would be two weeks earlier. And there you can hear all of the introduction to this, to this book and all the, um, all the information that you'll need in order to comprehend what we're doing on today's show. So um, anytime you get into like the middle of this, you know, small series that I'm doing, like these like little segments here, always go back to the introductory episode. If you missed it, listen to that one first and then, go to chapter one, chapter two, so on and so forth, because that will give you all of the building blocks as we move through books. It would be really uh, difficult to just turn on a podcast if you haven't listened to me in six months and be like, oh, I'm going to listen to Ecclesiastes chapter two. You'll get something out of it. I guarantee it. However, you're probably not going to get the full scope if you don't know really you know, the premise around the book. So, And uh, before we get into chapter two, one of the uh, things that I'm going to be doing through uh, Lent, that com- Lent season that's coming up is I'm going to be preaching, in a sense, uh, the wisdom books. So each Wednesday night, I'm going to have a breakdown of the uh, of one of the particular five wisdom books. Uh, so we're going to do Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. And I want to go through kind of the highlight overview of those books. What do they entail? What are they talking about? What's the premise behind them? And then give some, you know, notable scriptures out of them. And uh, that's going to be our Wednesday night devotionals for my church. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Here we go. Chapter two. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart is still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what is good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards and my, for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them with all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which water to water the forest of growing trees I, brought, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and, and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep 
from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all of my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. When I Then I considered all that my hands had done and toil had I expanded in doing it and behold all was vanity and a striving after wind there is nothing to be gained under the sun all right so that's going to be the first 11 verses that we're going to dig into here in chapter two uh because then we get into the vanity of living wisely and the vanity of toil uh that'll round out chapter two so uh in verse one solomon here is explaining the rewards of reason and unreason, sensual and aesthetic pleasure, creative enterprise, um, the collector and activist. His goal is to explore what life might be idly gifted and advantaged. Here's what Luther says. He says, we should not find enjoy or we should not find enjoyment in happiness, goods, or our own counsels or any other thing only as God has given them. Should we use them? One should let God have his way. It is not up to us to prescribe the place, the person, and the manner. If we do, we shall go wrong. This does not mean that happiness is condemned as something evil or vain. What is condemned is human striving and planning. When we ourselves want to try and create happiness without respect to the will of God, but as both come from God, so let us use them. Sorrow, happiness, and all such things, whether external or internal, must be measured on the basis of places, times, etc. But as they come from God in his complete freedom, so one should use them in complete freedom. So Luther has a lot to say here on verse 1. And uh, I think he really starts to break down that, you know, it's, it's not that happiness is a bad thing. It's not condemned. It's not evil. But... Striving after humanly pleasures is inherently evil. And we're, we're, we're looking for satisfaction in our own flesh. We're looking for satisfaction in our own doings, in our own ways. And we have neglected pursuing the things that are righteous and the things that are of God. Let's go on to chapter, uh, verse 2 here. It says, Division... A diversion can bring relief, but in excess, it can bring foolishness and fruitlessness. Diversion cannot appease a guilty conscience, heal a sorrowful spirit, or satisfy the soul. Uh, verse 3, cheering on my body with wine. Solomon explores the pleasures of the palate and flesh. They lay hold on folly. He intentionally antiquated himself with wisdom to carefully manage his use of sensual pleasures. Uh, this under heaven in a few days, uh, it's a wordplay here. The bravity of life and service to the Lord shall be guided by his word, not by seeking pleasure alone. It is good to do the works of the Lord. And so, again, that's kind of where we're going to really have a lot of our uh, pointing back to. This particular book is going to really show us that the things of God are indeed good and great. And when we strive outside of that, we find ourselves in vanity of things. And as we talked about last week's show, all things outside of God are empty and pointless and fruitless. There is nothing to gain by pursuing the things away from God. 
So jumping down to verse four here, uh, these great works, building a great empire might bring lasting satisfaction and great dignity. So let us keep going here uh, as we work through the rest of these verses. Um, Verses five and six, Solomon attempts to make paradise on earth, but the recreation of all things can only happen at Christ's return in glory. Down in seven, we get to some fun text that everybody loves to handle. People in the Bible talking about slaves. Now, I'm not going to get into that whole discussion because that's a whole different topic. But we might do an episode on it sometime uh, where we actually discuss slaves. I think um, I did an episode and I forget which one it is. So you'll just have to go back and listen to every single episode, I think where I had an explanation from Luther on it. And it might have been the Song of Solomon where he was talking about the concubines, but and now that I think about it, that's probably what it was, now that I'm digging into my brain cells here. But anyways, the whole slaves per bit, that can really aggravate a lot of people today because, you know, obviously we think of slavery in the terms of American slavery and, and how horrendous that was, and we don't advocate for any of that. But the, t- the scripture does tell us an awful lot about slaves and how in these cultures, thousands of slaves were required. And so he Solomon's out purchasing and intentionally propagating slaves. He says, many of them were born in my house. And so he knew he had slaves, both male and female, and he had them bear children to continue to grow. So just imagine that being a child born into slavery and all you know is that life. Now, we would could, can go on to the level to say that slavery in this context was not near as harsh it was, as it was here in America, but we really can't get too deep in terms of uh, all of the finer doings. And again, it would be difficult to say that every slave owner in Solomon's time or in the time of the Jews was a fair and equal slave owner. We can't say that. Just as well as we can't say that every single American slave owner was a ruthless, evil, you know, human-hating type person. I mean, there were uh, different levels of slavery. One was being more of an indentured servant, and you can go and actually just work off your time and labor. So... Uh, we might do an episode on that down the road. Uh, we'll talk about maybe some, maybe we'll do it in this series. We'll talk about topics that are just difficult to handle from scripture and we might do uh, one on slaves. So I'll keep that in the back of my mind for you. Uh, concubines and eight. Again, this goes back to the song of Solomon episode where uh, I explained it. Uh, so we're not going to really cover too much here. Solomon. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Had 300 concubines, 700 wives. This is noted in 1 Kings chapter 3. Such marriages typically involve diplomatic, political, and business relationships. Uh, verses 10 and 11, the terms for toil and work appear more than 25 times in Ecclesiastes, work brought pleasure, but reviewing the pleasure he sought and with great accomplishments gained, Solomon gained no advantage or satisfaction because there was no profit, quote-unquote, under the sun. Even the wisdom, toil, is meaningless apart from the fear of God. And we talked about that last week. So we can summarize verses 1 through 11 here. The pursuit of pleasure can draw us away from the Lord and towards other altars. As Solomon turned to other gods and idols before returning to God, and that even is referenced here in Matthew uh, chapter 6, uh, the lane of treasures, or the pursuit of pleasure, essentially. Uh, when, we return, uh, when we return thanks to God for his gracious and simple gifts, house and home, flocks and herds, spouse and children, we focus on his, heaven, on his fatherly mercy and kindness. So we have this context given to us here that you know all of these pleasures and all of these pursuits in life will inevitably take us away uh from uh, uh take us away from god and take us away from his uh blessings and his provisions for us but when we turn back to god then we can see uh all of his graciousness all of his mercy and kindness and all of the things you know that's when we when we pray the lord's prayer and we say give us this day our daily bread luther equates that bread uh, to a number of things, house, home, flocks, herds, spouse, and children, and all sorts of things, our jobs, our, our clothes, every piece in our life is a gift from God. And that's what he, how Luther equates to it. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are literally praying to God for all of the good things that he provides for his children. All right, verse 12. Uh, <clears throat> titled of the section is The Vanity of Living Wisely. And this uh, spans us 12 through 17. So here we go. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only that has already been done. Then I saw that there was more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there was, no, as there was more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived 
that the same event might the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will uh, happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in the in my heart that this is also vanity. For as the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How does the how the wise dies just like the fool? So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and striving after the wind. The vanity of toil. We're going to finish out chapter um, uh, two here and we will uh, read these final verses. I hated all my toil in which under the sun seeing that I must leave it to the man who came, who will come after me and who knows whether he will be wiser or a fool yet. He will be a master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also a vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun because Sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of the heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all of his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give who pleases God. This is also vanity and striving after the wind. All right, a lot happening here in just these few verses. So let's go ahead and unpack them. Going back to verse 12, what can a man do who comes after the king? Wealth, pomp, and grandeur of Solomon's kingdom could be inherited. His wisdom could not. His hair, his heir, Rehoboam, as 1 Kings 12 indicates, needed to gain wisdom by study and experience. The Lord had allowed Solomon to build his temp- build the temple and the palace, but Solomon may still have felt some in- insignificance in the eyes of Israel when compared to his father, King David. In verse 13, the pleasure of wisdom, though not enough to make people happy, it is better than folly. Folly eclipses and clouds the minds. In verse 14, the eyes of the head of his head refers to wisdom which discovers dangers and advantages. It knows where to step. The darkness make, makes one lose the way and purchase perchance fall into a pit where there is no rescue. A fool, as Proverbs 122 indicates, is one who dis, disdains wisdom. Wisdom reveres God, foolishness does not. The dangers can also be overcome both the wise and the foolish the death and death the great equalizer ultimately devours both only faith in the lord saves 
This is what Luther says. Wisdom is beneficial then if I do not know, if I do what I know is pleasing to God and to commit to him what he wishes to be accomplished through me. If we did this, then at least we would be truly wise. Moving on to verse 16, no enduring remembrance. Those who are wise and foolish by the world's standards have their names written in the dust of the earth. The believer's name is written in heaven, as Luke 10.20 tells us. Verse 17, Solomon soon became weary of his labor and looked upon it with contempt. It burdened and fatigued him as he aged, and his sorrow increased. This world is a veil of tears, even for the privileged. Those who are burdened are invited to come to the Lord for rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. So we can summarize verses 12 through 17 like this. In the end, life is vanity apart from faith in the Lord. The end is the same for the wise and the foolish. All that is done in the absence of faith will become shaft thrown into the devouring fire. Christ binds us, or Christ bids us to come to him and to be yoked to his light burden. Seek first the kingdom and his gifts and all other things shall be given. And so, as Solomon is quickly realizing, the wise man and the foolish man both perish. And in many circumstances, they perish in the same manner. And guess what? Especially in today's culture, you will both be buried in a hole six feet in the ground. Maybe, I don't know, maybe eight or ten now. But you're going to be in the ground in a casket. The same as somebody else who may have been a millionaire. You know, their tombstone may be, you know, enshrined or they may have memorials in place and whatever for the wealthy to be remembered. But you're still dead and your body will still decompose until the moment that Christ returns. And so for the foolish and the wise, the end is the same. And life is vanity apart from faith in the Lord. So rounding out chapter 2, let's get into verses 18 uh, through 26 here. Verse 18, death ultimately separates us from our prophets. They pass on to the next generation. And this seems to be a very troubling truth for Solomon that he's facing here. Is that all of his work, it is just going to be given to somebody who didn't do any of the work. They're going to inherit everything. And, And honestly... That's the greatest parallel to the gospel because we're given such an abundant gift, one of eternal life, salvation, forgiveness of sins, and we did not do anything to earn it. It was just freely given to us. Verses 19 and 20, a wise person increases in inheritance. A fool will squander it and does the master and undoes the master's work. Solomon is likely considering his son Rehoboam and other potential heirs, and Rehoboam's high taxation led Israel to actually revolt as 1 Kings 12, uh, verses 1 through 20 in 2 Chronicles chapter 10 point us to. Uh, This meaninglessness creates despair and depression. And verses 22 and 23, humans cannot add a single moment to their lifespan. Disappointment is guaranteed. Verse 23, when overcome with by daily business and hopeful for evening rest, one spends the night with eyes open, heart pounding, brain in full process, worrying about things to come. I'll tell you, 
I have been in those circumstances numerous times, uh, especially in my prior career before I became a pastor. And I was always dreading having to do something the next day at work, always dreading the next project or what my boss is going to say about this, that, and the other. Now, my fears are a lot different. I, I, I pray for my church every night, and I pray for the health and longevity, and I dread those terrible phone calls that somebody may have passed. Those are the things that worry me now. Those are the things that keep me up at night. But at the end of the day, this is life. This is natural life for us because we know that, as we will get into chapter 3 next week, there is a season for everything. And one of those seasons is to be born and a time to die. So just like all of the men and women before us, we too shall someday perish. But as Christians, we have this wonderful eternal hope that we can cling to. When overcome with the daily business, as I mentioned, hopeful for this resting, we spend our nights, spend our nights with our eyes open. We find enjoyment. This theme is repeated uh, in chapter three, chapter five, and chapter eight and nine. Blatant hedonism is not suggested here. We are to receive God's gifts and use them carefully, knowing that they never bring absolute happiness. So we'll get into that when we get to chapter 12. Verse 26, the sinner for the sinner gifts are easily corrupted and exploited for pleasure. They tantalize, tyrannize, and imprison. True wisdom comes from God alone. This passage describes God's judgment over both faith and works. Give to one who pleases God. Not necessarily the righteous, but whoever God allows to inherit. So we can summarize this here, these last few verses, toil and labor under the sun can drive one to the brink of grievous despair. The so-called significant things in this life can become idols that ultimately pass away and provide no lasting value in the context of forgiveness, life, and salvation in Christ. Our gracious Heavenly Father extends His hand and provides all we need for this temporal life and life everlasting through His Son, our Lord. And so I find that to be a great summary to this chapter that apart from Christ, all things are vanity, but in Christ, we have all the abundance and all of the gifts that we could need in this life. We have the food, the housing, the clothes, the spouse, the children, the, the herds, the servants, whatever it is that you are entailing, God provides it all. And so I am, you know, so gracious to know this truth and come to this saving truth that it is only in Christ that our hope is and I cling to that because I know that promise to be true and I know that Christ will uphold that promise when he returns and whether it be in my life or the next I am ready for him and so that's going to wrap up chapter 2 for us today in Ecclesiastes I had mentioned earlier on that we might do a couple chapters at a time. It just depends. Chapter 4 and 5 might be done together. They're fairly short. Uh, 6 and 7 might be done together, but I'm probably due to time. Uh, Chapter 3, obviously, will be done by itself next week. There's a lot to unpack in that chapter, even though it is only 15. It's actually, my apologies here, 22 verses long. Uh, Missed a section from dust to dust. So we're going to get into chapter three, uh, a time for everything. 
And interestingly enough, I had a discussion with somebody who told me I didn't know God's word. Okay, rightly so, I guess. Uh, because I was harping on a pastor who was just going on about seasons and seasons and seasons and all this other stuff incorrectly, obviously, but we will dig into that topic a little bit more at hand next week. So ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. That will be our episode. Now I'm going to turn and record this other episode tonight in hopes that Tuesday you will have the introductory to the Lutheran theology series. I don't know what I'm going to really call it. Uh, I am just going to focus on the Lutherans and the reformed faith. This is not a debate. It's not a who's better, who's right. It's just, this is what Lutherans believe. This is what the reformed believe and the reformed include Calvinists and non Calvinists. Uh, and we'll probably talk a little bit about the Armenians, but I want to make it very clear and, 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 and straight out that we are not looking at debating anything. I'm actually going to try and get Paul on an episode here in the future uh, as we get kind of more into the meat of this series. And we're going to record an episode between, you know, some of the differences and similarities that we see between the Calvinist circle and the Lutheran circle. So that episode has been is we're kind of in the works and planning on. Uh, we've got a ton of stuff coming your way on Undying Light. A lot of really cool things. I am looking to revamp the blog site. So there could potentially be an article that drops Uh, This weekend on the website, I'm going to try and write up a little excerpt for what I'm preaching on, and and I'm going to try and parallel that for a few weeks, and then we might do a short topical series, depending on how we get into things. So I want to kind of hit the ground running. We're going to get the blog moving again and get all the uh, podcasts updated there, and that will be what's coming so guys until next week thanks for tuning in i pray that you've enjoyed this series thus far if you have any comments please leave them to me on instagram uh subscribe to the show if you can share the show if you can leave us reviews on itunes if you can that would be most gracious that helps us get the word out to everybody until next week guys god bless have a great weekend deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 